Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you'll turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. And if you, didn't, if you didn't bring your Bible, there's a pew Bible in front of you, or maybe you're one of those people who likes to look it on your Bible app, please, somehow other, join me there in the Gospel of John. Hear with me now these words. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? So gracious Lord, we find ourselves here again on this holy ground, in this sanctuary, in our homes, tuned in corporately together in worship. And so during this sacred hour, may you speak to us through all aspects of the service. But in speaking to us, O Lord, may we have ears that clearly hear your words and open hearts that are transformed by those words. So we would leave this time together with you not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So as you saw by evidence of what happened just a few minutes ago right here at the altar rail, we are in the midst of the graduation season. It started just a few weeks ago with colleges and continues with colleges all the way up to now beginning with high schools. And as that happens in those graduation ceremonies, there will be those opportunities for keynote addresses and valedictories, this one final opportunity to offer one more lesson or one piece of sage advice for all who are gathered. Wonderful nuggets like always wear sunscreen or make your bed every day or use what we taught you here for the good of the world or you are what the world needs now or maybe even something as crass as buy my book. Some of these things are humorous, some of these statements are insightful And some of these folks should have just stopped at, congratulations, class of 2022, you did it. But this one last chance to arm the graduates before we turn them loose on the world outside of campus is an opportunity not to be missed. 
And in our text today that I was reading from the Gospel of John, this is taking place on the night of Jesus' betrayal. It's part of an epic series of teachings in which Jesus is trying to arm the disciples one more time with, if you will, the cliff notes or the spark notes or the Wikipedia version of his last three years of ministry. He is giving the 12, sort of, if you will, the graduation keynote address. And it's in this part of the text that I read today, in part of this sort of teaching, the chapter might be titled, A New Commandment. Now, when you think about the 12, you think about what they know about the laws and the commandments. I mean, they know the Ten Commandments have been steeped in it since birth. Being good Jews, they are familiar with the 613 laws of Jewish life at this point in time. They recall when the Pharisees tried to trap Jesus and name which was the greatest commandment, and he turned the tables back on them when he said, well, it says in the law of the prophets, love your God with all your heart, all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, all the laws and the prophets hang on these. So they thought they'd already had it pretty well summed up. They thought they already knew this. They thought they had, they had been to the TED Talk, if you will. They had the catchphrase, the tagline, love your God with all your heart and all your might, love your neighbor as yourself. But then on this night, Jesus speaks to them and he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Now on the surface, this sounds like everything else that they've been learning throughout their lives. It sounds like the Ten Commandments where it talks about how to love God and how to love the world really sort of prescribes what to do and a lot of what not to do. Or then there's that greatest commandment that talks about just simply love God and love your neighbor. But you see, this new one tells how to do just that. Not that it's good enough to love God and to love your neighbor, but tells us how to do it. And to really understand it, to really unpack it, to get to all the deep layers behind it, it takes thought, study, discovery. It takes an internal conversation and sort of a conversion of the way that we live our lives so that we truly understand what Jesus is saying in that moment. See, to understand, beloved, love one another as I love you, it's also thinking about it from our standpoint of this journey that we're making from Easter to beyond Easter. I mean, we think about Easter, we think about sort of this idea of what its personal impact on our lives is, what Easter means for us. But as the Easter season begins to give way to the ascension and ultimately to Pentecost over the next two weeks, we begin to realize that it's a call for us to move from a personal impact to personal growth, to action, and to an active faith. So it is a sense you and I are graduating from being learners, hearers of God's word, into doers of God's word, being flung out onto the world to take what we have learned in this place, in our study of faith during this Easter season, and to put it into practice. 
So in those words of that new commandment, beloved, love one another as I have loved you, we begin to realize what that love is. It is a universal love. It is an unmerited love. It is a sacrificial love. And that's God's love for us. But that's the love that we need to share with the world around us. I've shared with you all on multiple occasions that I love math and that I love, you know, even things like math with letters. So there's this mathematical formula called permutations where you figure out a, a set number of variables and you wonder how many different combinations can you have with that? So you've got this formula formula that's got all these letters involved and an exclamation point and everything else and you factor in those and you come up with all the different combinations, the permutations, if you will. So to give you an example of this, back in uh, 1917, a lady by the name of Catherine Briggs and her daughter Isabel Meyer, they began studying personalities based on the work of Carl Jung. And they began to realize that all of us have a personality, even when we don't think that we do. We all have one. And it's really defined on things like how we draw our energy, introversion versus extroversion. How we process information, whether we're sensing or intuitive. How we deal with things, thinking or feeling and how we make decisions, judging or perceiving. And so they've got sort of these four categories with an A or B option, and when you put it through that permutation model, you come up with 16 different combinations of letters. So mine, I'm an ESTJ, which means really you boil it down to, it's like a natural born administrator. I mean, that's really cutting scholarship down to one word. But there's 16 different permutations of personalities. Just hold on to that for a minute. 16 different ones. But as we think about this idea of beloved, love one another as I have loved you, think about Jesus' ministry and think about the love that he shared. I mean, Jesus loved the woman of ill repute. He loved the disciples, you know, the commercial fishermen, the tax collectors, those that he called to follow him, those that were not the religious intelligentsia of the day. But he loved them. He loved the Samaritan. He loved the leper. He loved the rich young ruler who, remember, he asked Jesus, said, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And he said, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler couldn't do it. And the text says he walked away and Jesus loved him. Now think about that for a minute. He walked away, not able to do what Jesus told him, and Jesus loved him. Jesus loved the children, he loved women, he loved men, he loved all walks of life. I mean, think about it, who did Jesus not love? Who did Jesus not love? You can't name anyone, can you? I mean, that's the beauty of the gospel, right? The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus loved everyone. I mean, now let's go back to those 16 personality types, those permutations we talked about. Now take those, there's not one personality type that Jesus doesn't love. But that's not enough variables for you. Think about other ways that we can define ourselves. We could start with our politics and our political parties, or we could look at race, or we could look at nationality, or we could look at language, we could look at religion. We could get into the world of science or psychology or even down to sports teams. And when you start to tick off all the things that define you, I got news for you. You're unique. 
There is no one else in the world like you. It's just like your fingerprint. There's no one else in the world before now or after now that will have the same fingerprint you have. And guess what? God loves each and every one of us just the way we are. So when we're tempted to say statements like, I am so mad, so-and-so makes me so mad, I hate them, and you fill in their name, guess what? This is someone that Jesus Christ loves. Someone just like you. Someone that Jesus loves. So what we begin to realize is that hatred has no place in the kingdom of heaven. Hatred has no place in the kingdom of God. Even today, every day, no matter what, hatred has no place in our world. So that that happened up at the Topps grocery store in Buffalo is an, is an abomination against God. That kind of hatred has no place in the kingdom. So when we begin to realize this idea of beloved, love one another as I loved you, means that we are to love everyone. It is a universal love. So as we begin to understand this new commandment, there's an intentionality of how we love. It's also very personal. We have our eyes wide open to who we love, but think about how we are to love them. It's an unmerited love. Remember, Jesus came to fix a broken world. He loved the sinner. Think about those last days on earth when the crowd shouted Barabbas, when he was on the cross and they reviled him and said, well, if you're the son of God, take yourselves down off the cross. They were mocking him. And what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. Jesus loved them even when they reviled him. Friends, every one of us is broken in some way. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. None of us have it all figured out. Despite what we might want to broadcast to the world or what the world thinks about us, we don't have it all together. Some of us have no patience. Some of us have trigger tempers. Some of us have blind spots. Some of us, our ego runs amok and our hubris takes over. Some of us, we are guilty of acting or I guess not acting because of fear. Even when we try not to wrong people, sometimes we do it and we're not even aware of it. We have broken trust with each other. Now I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad about yourself or to talk about or or point out worthlessness. No, the point I'm trying to make is that even on our best day, in our humanity, in our humanness, even on our best day, when we say today is the day that I'm not gonna screw up, I'm not gonna make any mistakes, there's a good chance we're still going to do it somewhere, somehow, even when we don't mean to. But what happens? What does Christ do with us? Christ loves you and me in spite of us. That love is constant. That love is right there. We can take that to the bank. We can anchor our lives on that Christ loves us no matter what. We may do things that break the heart of God, that bring tears to Christ's eyes, but we are still loved. Beloved, love one another as I have loved you. The world is a broken place. People act up, they act out. Sometimes they act out of trauma that something has happened in their past and we're just the one that catches it when they get angry, when their cup bowls over and the dam bursts. 
Yes, people cause evil and destruction in this world and they need to be held accountable and punished for it, but that doesn't mean that they're not irredeemable. See, that's the gospel lesson. Even the two criminals on the cross who knew that they were guilty, today you will be with me in paradise. See, when we begin to love people because they are children of God and not because they have earned our love, then we then begin to understand at a deeper level, much further down than the surface of what it means to, beloved, love one another as I have loved you. And so as we sit with that, we then begin to think, what and how do I practice that love? And one of the things I've learned over the years is that when it comes to things like foreign languages, some of us can sit down in a classroom and can open up an, uh, an entry-level, say, Spanish 101 textbook and begin to learn the language. And others of us try as we might. That is just not going to work for us. And maybe the best way to learn a foreign language is to sort of be dropped in the deep end of the pool, an immersive experience. So a few years ago, I worked with a guy in Asheville when I was at the United Methodist Foundation was meeting with he and his wife to talk about a charitable gift. And we're talking, I said, well, tell me about your life. And he says, well, I was a, I was a doctor at a college. And then when we retired, we decided that we'd always wanted to go to Portugal. So we sold everything that we had and we moved to Portugal and we bought a house that was a fixer-upper. I said, holy cow. I said, did you know how to do construction? He goes, oh, and I had no idea what we were doing. I said, did you speak Portuguese? He said, no, we didn't even speak it when we got off the airplane. We had no idea. Now, friends, I got to tell you, that sounds the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm trying to imagine moving to a foreign country where I don't know the language, taking on something like a fixer-upper when they have a completely different building code and electrical system and all that, and not knowing the language and doing all the work myself. Talk about testing a marriage. But they survived. And they said, oh, yeah, we had to start slow, but pretty soon... We made good friends with the guys at the hardware store and they explained things to us in ways that we could understand. I said, how's your Portuguese now? He goes, oh, it's really good. Now, there are no opportunities to practice Portuguese in Asheville, but boy, they know it. Deep into the pool, they were all in. And I think about this idea of being all in. I think about Jesus' love for us and that's really what it is when you get down to it. It is an all-in kind of sense. I mean, Jesus gave his whole life for you and for me. Loves all of us, unmerited love, and we don't deserve it, and yet does this for us. This idea of love one another as I have loved you, this idea of self-sacrifice in terms of love, is really what are we willing to give up? This is a question. What are we willing to give up to show love to the world? And we can look at someone like a Mother Teresa who didn't want to deal with sick people, didn't want to deal with poor people, and yet felt God was calling her in that direction. She went to the slums of India and she held lepers as they died. Or maybe it could be something like my friend Lewis who was given this opportunity for leadership uh, and looked at it and thought this is something that was well before his time, but a great honor, a great reward they were giving him, and yet he stepped aside because there was someone else who needed to be in that role because otherwise their voice would never be heard. Or a friend of mine who had worked really hard in her career had risen to the point where she was ready for this promotion, this promotion she had dreamed about, and it was put on the desk in front of her, 
and she was ready to take it. And then she looked at her family and realized that there were extended family members that were failing in life, struggling. And so she eschewed the promotion to make sure that her family members kept their head above water and succeeded. Or maybe you heard about the Methodist minister in Georgia who met with someone who was in crisis and through no fault of her own was brutally murdered and killed by this person. But why? Because she was willing to love them and even sacrifice her life for it. In each of these instances, these people realized that there was a greater way to show love to the world and it meant giving up something of their own, whether it was success or their lives or maybe even their own dream. But yet, they did it for the sake of the world. They understood what Christ was talking about. And beloved, love one another as I have loved you. And so they practiced that love. So here we are, right in the heart of graduation season. So yes, wear sunscreen. Yes, when you get a chance, dance. Yes, step out of your comfort zone. Yes, to our graduates, take the knowledge that you learned and share it. Yes, make your bed every day. But I think the better charge for all of us is this. It's just what Jesus said in his valedictory. Beloved, love one another as I have loved you. So love everyone that you cross paths with. Love even when they don't deserve it. And put yourself, be willing to sacrifice for the sake of that love, to show them how much Christ loves you and the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings.